The last several weeks, we've been discussing the redemptive names of God. And so we've been discussing the fact that men fell in seven different ways, and God has seven names that deal with the redemptive names of God that redeem us to its fullness. And so we've been looking at seven different ones, and we looked at Jehovah Shammah, we looked at Jehovah Jireh, we looked at Jehovah Rapha, we looked at Jehovah Sidkenu, we looked at Jehovah Nisi, and is that all seven there now? But anyways, it means the Lord is our shepherd, the Lord is our victory, the Lord is our provider, the Lord is present, the Lord is our healer, the Lord, what am I missing? The Lord is our peace, and the last one? Righteousness, the Lord, of course, the Lord is our righteousness. Now, last week we stopped on Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord is our provider. And I'm going to spend an extra day on that just for the simple fact that I just, we didn't get to the end of it. There's lots to teach on it, but I felt at least one more um, would be pertinent. And a lot of people struggle in this area understanding that the Lord is our provider. Jehovah Jireh, that's part of who he is. Just like he's the healer, just like he's our righteousness, just like he's our presence, everything. He is our provider. And the Bible tells us that only an infidel, we're actually that we're worse than an infidel if we don't provide for our own. The Bible says that if our earthly fathers, if we ask our earthly fathers for bread, he says that they're not going to give us a stone. How much more would our heavenly father provide for us? And like I said, a lot of people struggle in this area. They either, they either get ditched on one side where, you know, every Christian should have a jet and everybody should, you know, have millions and millions and millions of dollars. Or the other side where people have trouble receiving from God. They think that we have to be poor and not have anything to be holy and to be able to talk to God. And neither of those situations are true. It comes right down the middle, but you need to understand that God is Jehovah Jireh. He is our provider and wants to provide and prosper his people. And so the first thing is, what is prosperity? Because I know it can get, like I said, it can get on one ditch or the other. Prosperity can. So what is prosperity? I mean, I've looked up all the definitions, so I'm just coming to the Trent definition today. Basically, prosperity is God providing for you everything that he needs for you to do on this earth for the kingdom of God and some more. When we look at the scripture, that's basically what we see, is that God provides for everything you need to do his work on the earth in the kingdom of God and some more. The Bible says that we are to be, we are blessed to be a blessing. That Abraham was originally blessed to be a blessing. So it means that all his needs were taken care of, plus he had more why to be a blessing. 2 Corinthians 9.10 says this, now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Now I love the first part about that because it says, now may he who supplies seed to the sower. Who does he supply seed to? The sower. He supplies seed to the sower. And like I said last week, I'm one of those guys when you're around me, it's like, you know, you come with me to Starbucks, I'm the guy that wants to buy the Starbucks for you. I'm the guy that wants to buy the meal when you're with me. And I do that because I've been doing it for so many years, but I came to understand this principle that God supplies seed to the sower and I'm blessed to be a blessing. So if I quit doing that, he's going to quit giving me the extra money. Do you know what I mean? And so he's providing for me and who I want to bless, right? And so if you just start to walk in that principle of not being a taker, but a giver, not being stingy, but doing that, you'll realize that God will supply seed to the sower. And I want to stay in that. Why? Because I believe that he gives that to me so I can have that bit of extra to bless somebody else. And so I don't want to get outside of that. So you got to keep operating in that because who does he give seed to? The sower. 
So if you're not a giver, it's hard to expect that extra amount. And so I want to be that way in the kingdom of God because when we sow, and I don't have time to really get into what all happens to the seed, I'm just gonna end up on the blessing side of it right now, but we're blessed, but we're also blessed to be a blessing. Now, when you look at the scripture and you talk to any Jewish person today, Jews have no problem with this concept. As a matter of fact, they are so disproportionately rich per um, group of people that it's amazing. And you can look this up. They're just so disproportionately rich. And the reason it is, is because they operate in God's principles. They go to the Proverbs and they spend their lives in the Proverbs realizing how to deal with money. That you're supposed to be faithful money. That you're supposed to be faithful at work. And, and, you know, they realize that, you know, when you're at work, you don't work just when the boss is around because they believe in a higher boss. And so it's, it's the, the Bible calls it eye pleasers, that people work just when somebody's watching. But the Bible says, if you realize that God's always watching, then you're pleasing him and he will continue you to be blessed, to be a blessing. Proverbs 10.22 says this, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow to it. You know, some Christians are scared to read that aloud. They think it's, whoa, that's a bad scripture. No, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow to it. You know what that means is that he will provide and prosper us without the sorrow that goes along with it. You know, some people are extremely rich without God, but they have a lot of sorrow with it. They got a lot of stress with it. You know, it might look like they're having a good life, but we see it all the time. We see rich people and, and famous people that are committing suicide all the time. But God's prosperity, he will add to you, make you rich without sorrow. Without sorrow. Psalm 35, 27 says this. Let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause. And let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. The Bible says to say it continually. Let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. And I know it's because of ditches that people have gotten bad raps and stuff, but some people don't want to say that, even admit that the Lord prospers me because it sounds bad. But that's part of what God is. He's our father. He's our Jehovah Jireh. He is the Lord that blesses. He is the Lord that provides. He is the Lord that prospers. And it says to say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure. And not only does he prosper us, the Bible says he has pleasure in prospering us. He wants to be a part of it. He loves it when we prosper, especially when we're prospering in his will and his ways, because he's the one working with us. He's like the boss, because the boss is going to be happy when we prosper if he's our boss, right? And so it's good to keep it in line. Deuteronomy 8.18 says this, and you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. The Bible says that not only is he happy about it, but he gives you power to accomplish it. Now we have to stay in the right frame of mind. There's no question about it. And we can ditch and all that kind of stuff that I'm not going to get too much into today. But the fact is, is God empowers us to prosper. He blesses us so that we can be a blessing. He gives seed to the sower. So last week we talked about hangups and we talked about, you know, what are the Christian hangups? And a lot of times it has to do with tradition and not the word of God at all. It's like, we'll see old Sunday school books or old pictures of Jesus and he's got holes in his clothes. Yet we looked at a scripture last week that the Roman soldiers were, were gambling over his clothes. Well, who's going to gamble over torn ratty things? They wanted them. And then it goes on to say why they wanted it. It said that one of his garments was sewn from top to bottom without seam. 
And when you look back at that day, to acquire a garment that was sewn from top to bottom without seam was not inexpensive. It was not somebody was picking up secondhand. It was top of the line. Top of the line. And we need to like get out of our traditions. We really, really do. We saw how Felix had Paul and he kept on calling for him while Paul was in jail. And the Bible tells us why that Felix kept calling for him. He was hoping that Paul and his people would pay him off. Well, how much does it cost to pay off a king? Five bucks? I doubt it. You're not getting out of jail for five bucks, right? Felix knew that him and his people had enough to give to pay him out. Now, he didn't bribe him, and Paul didn't offer the money, obviously, because he's in the kingdom, right? He did it the way he was supposed to do it. He knew that he was in the right place at the right time. But those are some of the hangups that we saw in the scripture to do with those things. I mean, we saw that Jesus had a treasure. Do you have a treasure? <laughs> right? You don't need a treasure for five bucks. And the Bible tells us that the treasurer was stealing the money and they didn't notice it. If you have five bucks and you steal three, you know it's gone. Right? God's our provider. He is our provider, our provider. We see when Jesus first showed up and called the fishermen. Right? He said, push back out. I need to use your boat first to preach. And then afterwards he said, push back out and throw your nets on the other side. And the fishermen were like, Jesus, we're fishermen. You're a carpenter. Nevertheless, at your will, at your word, we'll go do it. So he pushes out, they put their nets on the other side. And the Bible says that there were so many fish caught that their nets began to break and they had to call for their partner to come in because they had such an overload of fish. And then Peter hit his knees and said, Lord, I'm a sinful man, I'm sorry. Realizing that he was king over everything, including fishing. Now guess what fish is to a fisherman? Ching, ching. He blessed their socks off day one. And they went and they cashed it in because they were good stewards of what God had given them. So we need to get over some of these hangups. So I'm going to look at two scriptures. Um, I'm not going to be long today before we leave, but I want to look at these two. This one's 13 verses. It's in, it's in the book of John, chapter 6, verse 1 to 13. And it's, it's a familiar story in the Bible, but we'll read it together. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming towards him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them. We don't have enough. That every one of them may have a little bit. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. So they're trying to add a little bit to the 12, to the, to the money that they have. But what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in numbers of about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to them, to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise the fish as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. So here we see a miracle taking place here. 
And so Jesus says, how are we going to feed these folks? He sees a multitude coming, and the Bible says he's just testing them. He's just seeing where their faith is at, where their faith is at. And, you know, I put myself in this position. Sometimes we look at things and, you know, maybe a vision's too big or you got bills coming or you don't know how it's going to happen or you don't know how you're going to provide for your house or whatever it may be. But the word speaks and we need to realize that God is just looking for a faith response. He's just asking you to work with him on the situation, that he's the true boss, that he'll prosper you, but you got to work with him. To do it. And if we do it outside of him, whether we make lots of money or little money, it comes with sorrow. We saw that. And we want to be doing it with God. We truly do. And so this goes on. They got a little bit of money. And then this guy says, listen, there's a guy here with some fish and two fish and five loaves. And Jesus says, bring it to me. And again, just to that again, God is saying, listen, you want to see me work in your life? Bring me what you have. Whether it be your gifts, whether it be your talents, whether it be who you are, whether it be your finance, whatever it is, the first thing God says is bring it to me. And what does that mean? What does that mean? What's the first thing it means? It means we open our hands to what we have and we say, God, this is yours. I'm a steward of what is yours. This does not belong to me. You own it all anyways. You know, and that prayer gets easier when you realize he wants to prosper you, Right? It's like, we don't, we're not always like this because we think that he's just going to take, 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 take. But God never takes to just take. He takes to give. He always does. And so we open our hands to God with our finances and we bring him the fish and the five loaves. And when we put it in the hands of Jesus, anything can happen. Anything. Just, just anything that we do with Jesus has the supernatural power on it to do a miraculous thing in the kingdom of God. It truly does. And so we all should be available for that. We all should be with our lives, with our talents, with our finances. We should be opening up saying, God, these are yours. What do you want from me? Because when we put it in the hands of Christ, it multiplies exponentially in the hands of Christ. Not only does it multiply exponentially, but the will of God in our lives multiplies and everything we do is unto the glory of God. Does that make sense? Which what we're supposed to do. Everything we do, we do unto the glory of God. And so God with the seed in his hand, has the power to provide. And we see here he does that. He multiplies the food to a multitude of people, 5,000 men plus whoever else was there, multiplies the food to a multiplication of people. And then he tells them to gather what is left over. Now there's two points here. We're supposed to be frugal in the kingdom of God. Jesus never left that on the ground. See, God is showing a principle here too. For two things. There's two things he's showing us with these leftovers. First of all, we be frugal. If there's something left over, we bring it in. We don't put things to waste. Even though God prospers us, we make sure that we are good stewards of every crumb. We're supposed to know where our money's going. We're supposed to know what we're doing. We're supposed to be good stewards of our finance. But secondly, he gathers up all the leftovers, and there's more than what they started for. There was 12 baskets, like one for each disciple. And so what did we say what prosperity was? Prosperity is providing for all the needs and some. So here we see it. He provided for everybody, but he didn't just leave it. He could have just left it at the exact morsel that everybody was full, but he didn't. He had 12 baskets left over. Why? Because God is the God of the overflow. So not only is he frugal with his stuff, but he put more in there so that he would show that he is the God of prosperity, that there's always an overflow. And then guess what they're left with? More seed to sow. Because he always gives seed to the sower. Are you with me? 
Always. I want to look at another scripture, and then we're going to close. Matthew 17, 24 to 27. Another fishing story here. When they had come to Capernaum, those who received the temple tax came to Peter and said, does your teacher not pay the temple tax? He said, yes. And when he had come into the house, Jesus anticipated him saying, what do you think, Simon? From who do the kings of the earth take customs or taxes? From their sons or from strangers? Peter said to him, from strangers. And Jesus said to him, then the sons are free. Nevertheless. So here's the first principle here. Jesus was saying, listen, I own everything. I don't have to pay taxes. Neither do you. You're my sons. I don't have to. But he says, nevertheless. Nevertheless. And we need to do a lot of nevertheless. And I did a lot of the nevertheless through COVID. I was a mad character during COVID. And I wanted to like... I wanted to like speak my peace to every person and I did for the first little while. But after a while, I had to start adding the nevertheless is not everybody believes what I believe, right? And it's true. And Jesus didn't have to do this, but he did. Why? Because his goal was to reach people. And so he said, nevertheless, lest we offend them, go to the sea, cast in a hook and take the fish that comes up first. And when you have opened its mouth, you will find a piece of money. Take that and give it to them for me and you. So the first thing we see here is is like I just said, Jesus didn't have to pay this tax, but he did. But he did. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 9.19. He said it this way. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all. Why? That I might win the more. That's a hard one for me to swallow. There's a lot of these scriptures that I can swallow really easy and I don't have a problem with this, but the Bible tells us that I am free from all men, but I need to make myself a servant to all so that I can win the more, so I can win the more. And he went on to say to a Jew, I was a Jew, to a Greek, to I was a Greek, to a, to a, a tax collector, I was, I was. He, just, he, was, he was not, even though he was above all their rules, he was with them and Making common ground is what he was saying with them so that he could win them. You know, that's like the gospel. You can preach on every street corner you want, and it does win some people to Christ. But you know where most of the gospel is spread? It's spread through people that have influence with other people. And so when you share the gospel, it's much more powerful when you have influence with that person. If that person hates you and hates, you know, what you're about, he's not going to listen to the words. As powerful as those words are, he's not going to receive them. But... When we get ourselves in people's lives and become influential to them, at whatever level that is, become an influence. Whether it's in work, whether it's in, in business, whether it's at school, whether it's in, 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 in anything, ministry, anything. When we become what that person needs, we become influential to be able to share the gospel. Paul was a master at this. There was one time he was going in there and they were all praying to these different statues and different idols. And there was one there that said the unknown God. And Paul didn't go in there and say, you guys are a bunch of idiots. I can't believe you're following all these other gods. They're not real, yada, yada, yada. He didn't do that. He said, hey, you know that unknown God you got placed there? He says, I'll tell you about him. And he went on to talk about Elohim, the El Shaddai, the Jehovah, the great one. And the crazy part about the sermon that he preached there to these people, he used a phrase out of a Greek mythology book that we use and most people don't even know where it came from. In him, we live and move and have our being. It was never scripture that Paul quoted. He quoted a Greek philosophy book, but it was still true. It was still true. So he just became to them what he should become. 
and won many of them to Christ that day. So that's to do with money. What does that have to do with money? It has to do with money and the fact that money is just a tool in the kingdom of God. It's not something we should ever worship. It's not something that should ever control our lives. It's something that God wants to prosper us with. He wants all our needs met and he wants us to be a blessing, but he never wants us to get out of character to achieve that. And he always wants us to use money as a tool, no matter what it takes. Sometimes money is influence. Sometimes money is influence. You start giving to somebody in need, you want to talk about having an influence? Giving is such a powerful, powerful thing. I remember years and years and years ago, there was a guy I was hanging out with, and he was a musical guy and was helping me with some music, and he was a, he was a, he was a runner. And I'm going to share this story before I can't remember. But this guy's one of those guys, as I was, I was jogging at the time, and, and he would do like 20K by the time I would do like four. I'd go to Glen Va- I would go to Glen Valley with him, I mean, uh, Campbell Valley with him, and I'd start the run, and he would go on this route, that was like 10K and might be four and he'd meet me up in the last like 500 or whatever and come in. But he was talking one morning about, you know what? I said, man, you're a great runner, man. I was just unbelievable. And, and I said, are those the best kind of shoes you got there? And he's like, no, no, these aren't. He says, these are the kind I really, told me the kind I wish I really had. And he says, I, they're just not in my budget right now. So next time I saw him, I showed up with his shoes. Or no, I didn't. I showed up with a gift certificate to go buy those shoes. To me, I didn't think anything of it. I just wanted to be kind. I've always kind of been in that motion. God, it's like I like giving to people, like I said, because God will give me to give to people. I like having that extra so I can bless. And you go through different seasons of that. Sometimes it's just an extra dollar is my ample. You know, people are thinking it's got to be running shoes or cars or this or that. No, no. Sometimes just a donut, right? When you're faithful with the donut, it'll give you more for, for the shoes, right? Anyways, no big deal. He was very thankful for it, extremely thankful. Went and bought the shoes. One of my friends ran into his wife 10 years later and they got chatting and she says, oh, you know what? I, somehow my name came up and she said, is that the guy from the loft that my, I think my husband used to be his friend. And he says, she said, that guy was so generous. You know, he bought my husband some shoes. To me, it was nothing. To them, it was so big. And we have to remember that, right? When we're just givers, it's just, it's such a powerful thing. And you become very, very, very influential in, in the right way. So having it in the right order, being free to give, having our hands open. Now, the scripture is very interesting because Jesus went and sent Peter to go fishing, which Peter knew how to do. And he wasn't going this time to get a bunch of fish to sell for the taxes. He was just going to catch one fish. And Jesus says, you're going to catch a fish and there's going to be a piece of money in there. Now, I was re- I've read this for years, but this is the first time I really tore this apart. Not this time, the last time I studied it. It was the first time I tore it apart. And the word for piece of money there is translated a different word in Greek. I forget, forget what it is. But the actual meaning of it is that it was the perfect amount for two people's taxes. So what Jesus said, the piece of money, the word in the original word was, you're going to find a coin in there that's going to match the taxes for both of us. And so what he did, I mean, the Bible doesn't tell us, but obviously if Jesus says it's true, he went fishing, caught a fish, opened the mouth, there was a money in there that was the exact amount for Jesus and his taxes. And so he went and paid it, the perfect amount to the cent, the translation will tell us. And so it's so cool. I always wonder these things. Like, these are the things that I want to ask God when I get to heaven. It was like, God, did you, how, when did that coin get in that fish's mouth? You know, did he grab it right before Jesus you know, or was it some old pirate shipwreck that he picked up, you know, like a thousand years ago and it was hanging out in this fish? I don't know, but I want to know. 
I got a weird mind sometimes. I want to know. Anyways, it's just per money. That's the perfect amount. Not a cent too much and not a cent too little. And I know that people will start thinking, well, you told me that Jesus' prosperity is for everything and some. People say, well, where's the overflow? The fish. (laughs) He got his taxes and he got dinner. Right? Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you, God, that you are our provider. We thank you, God, that you bless us. We thank you, God, that you are more than enough, that you are the king that sits in the heavens and laughs at the plans of man because your way is always best. God, we choose ourselves, no matter how hard it is, no matter how hard it is to give up and and to open our hands to this stuff in our life, we choose to give it to you. We open our hands, we say, God, you are our provider. You're Jehovah Jireh. You are the God that provides and empowers us to prosper. You bless us so that we can be a blessing. You are amazing. We trust you. We open our hands to you. God, lead us and guide us in this. It's all yours. You own all cattle on a thousand hills. All the silver and gold is yours. Everything was made through you. God, we just want to be good stewards of what you're giving us. So Father, teach us to walk in your ways. In the name of Jesus, amen. You get something out of that this morning? You get something out of that? Good. I'm telling you, every arena of life, and lots of people struggle, and there's a lot of people that struggle in the area of finance, And we go like this. We do. Paul said, I know what it's like to abase, which means I know what it's like to have nothing. And he says, I know what it's like to abound. I know what it's like to have much. But in every one of those seasons, God is with us and he will teach us and prosper us to what we need in life. And I'm telling you, it's always from glory unto glory unto glory unto glory. And so if you have never walked in this, I'm telling you, be faithful with the five bucks. Be faithful. Open your heart. What do I mean by that? There's opportunities everywhere. And when we walk through life, we see opportunities to be giving, to give, to, or to change a situation, or, or to be nice to somebody, or put a smile on someone's face, or to give them something financially. And I know that if we just went out and walked down the road and gave every single person that was begging for money and all that kind of stuff, we, we, we wouldn't have anything probably left. And I don't believe that's the plan of God anyways. We are to cooperate with him. He says, put it in my hands, and then he multiplies the fish. So what I believe is if you walk out this door today and you say, Lord, I want to be a part of this plan, you will encounter opportunity and I want you just to pay attention to your heart. I want you to pay attention because God's got a way of pulling. He's just got a way of like drawing you in where it's like, why do I feel like I should help this situation? Or sometimes it's just so obvious that you're like, I have such an opportunity to just help the situation. And if I belong to God and I read my word, I'm supposed to be a giver. And you give into that situation. But I want to tell you, when you leave this room today, if you start to open your hands to God and you look for opportunities to not be as stingy with your money or with anything and give it, that God will begin to show you things and he'll begin to multiply back to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, the Bible says. He'll give you what you need plus. And I don't know about you, but I want to go to the next level for me to be blessed, to be a blessing. I want to be able to bless people at the next level. Thank you, Father. Amen.